0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Locked on Phillies podcast. Today is Friday, December 18th, 2020. My name is Dan Wilson, recent Temple University graduate and lifelong Phillies fan, Dan Wilson, that is. I, of course, am your host. And on today's episode, very special guest, two-part episode, as I do with many of my guests, but I'm joined today by someone who is there at the ballpark every single day covering the beat for the Athletic. It is Megan Montemaro. With Megan, I discussed everything from the Dave Dombrowski hire on a little bit more of a personal level. Does she root for the story in the offseason? Obviously, this offseason can't do as much as you usually would in a non-pandemic winter. And then we got into things like, will the Phillies, are they more likely to bring back someone like JT Real Muto this year? Was she surprised that Didi Gregorius did not get a qualifying offer? I know these are some questions that I've asked for some of my other guests, but again, she is there each and every day. So always good to talk to her. So without any further hesitation, my conversation with Megan Montemaro. Joining us in today's episode of the Locked on Phillies podcast, she's been covering the Phillies beat uh, for a number of years now. She now covers them for The Athletic. It is Megan Montemaro. Megan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: So... Obviously, uh, the news here in the offseason, Phillies do hire a president of baseball operations and Dave Dombrowski. There was some, I I, I won't call it controversy, but idea that maybe they would hire someone, maybe they wouldn't. Were you surprised that they did end up hiring someone before the start of the 2021 season? And what were your initial impressions of his uh, opening press conference?
1: I, well, I think like a lot of people, I was surprised that it ended up being Dombrowski since it sounded like he was pretty committed to that Nashville project, but obviously the circumstances of that changed when, you know, MLB basically told him like, this isn't going to happen anytime soon. Um, so obviously that changed the dynamic. Um, I would say just a little bit surprised that it happened, um, like as a whole hiring for the position before the start of the season, since, you know, when, when managing partner, John Middleton spoke at the end of the, after the season, um, when Matt Klintak was reassigned, you know, he sounded like he was comfortable potentially going into 2021 and even potentially through the whole season with Ned Rice in place and Annie McPhail in place until McPhail's contract um, ends at the end of next year. So a little surprised, but at the same time, like they needed to hire somebody. And I understand it can be a challenge because teams can block upper level executives uh, fairly easy easily. Um, so certainly probably wasn't going to be an easy search regardless. Um, but I definitely think it's good for the organization as a whole that they hired somebody when they did, even if it was a little bit longer into the off season and as for Nebraska. I mean, you can't, you can't knock really his track record. I mean, he's led a variety of types of teams to success, whether it was the Marlins or he was in Montreal as general manager there. Um, you know the Tigers. He really built that team up, and then you contrast that with the Red Sox, where he came in and took a team that had well, quite a few really good players, either at the big league level or um, on the verge of coming up, and you know was able to get get them, uh, you know, World Series titles. So I think it's good that that he has built a variety of teams in different ways. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how he tackles this
0: in terms of fit. I believe he specifically said that this is a retool, not a rebuild. Obviously the Phillies have a number of players who are currently in their prime, but again they did fail again to make the playoffs. And they have a farm system that's certainly a lot worse than what he's used to dealing with, kinda has a reputation of trading away prospects as he did with the Red Sox. They're now, I believe, the 25th ranked farm system in baseball. The Phillies are 23rd. And we also know that John Middleton not always so fast to spend money unless it's a Bryce Harper type of player. Does the fit in your opinion, makes sense? And is, is this going to be a little bit different than maybe what he's used to?
1: I do think it'll be different. Although I will say like, he, even though he has a reputation for trading prospects, I mean, I think if you look at, you know, his time with the Red Sox, which, you know, you still need a couple of years to see how some of those moves really pan out, but he, he traded guys, but also he was good at identifying who not to trade. I mean, he didn't trade Devers or Ben Attendee or, you know, guys like that. Um, and I mean, to be honest, like if you're going to trade somebody like to get Chris sale, yeah, you're going to have to potentially give up a good piece or two. So I don't know. I don't expect him to come in and suddenly trade a bunch of guys. Like I don't think Abel is suddenly going to be dealt this off or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think he is going to have a little bit of a tough challenge of how do you retool, um with kind of the state of the organization as it is and retooling is always a great attempt organizations try to make it's kind of rebuilding on the run on a certain level for a year or so Um, i'm not sure how often that is actually successful i would bet not too often Um, so it'll be really interesting but i mean it's kind of the only path they can take unless they truly want to tear everything down. Um, so, you know, I really think this is a, a really key three-year window for the organization. Um, you know, you still have Aaron Nolan in the fold, obviously Zach Wheeler, Bryce Harper, um, you know, Reese Hoskins. So, you have you have this window before these guys either start hitting the the, the latter stages of the prime of their career, or um, you know, they potentially can become free agents. So. It'll be interesting to see. I don't think it's going to be easy. And, you know, there's not a clear path because they don't have necessarily a top, a lot of like elite level prospects coming up necessarily in the minors that will be ready maybe even in a year or two. So it'll be interesting for sure.
0: There were some rumors floating around previous to the Dombrowski hire that maybe someone like Zach Wheeler would be traded. I think there were some Gene Segura moves going around that, of course, prompted Middleton to say that he wouldn't even trade. Wheeler for Babe Ruth. Are those rumors a thing of the past now, in your opinion? Is Dombrowski taking this over and this is now kind of just his ship to run and all those rumors that we heard in the past? Or that's just what it is the past?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Wheeler thing was more of a somebody saying, hey, you know, we'll listen on anybody, which is pretty much true for any organization. You always listen. Um, So maybe that got escalated a little bit more than – However, that that situation initially started. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're in the position to do something like that unless, you know, it's two years from now and they're not any closer. You know, Wheeler still has two years left on his deal. And now you're maybe like, OK, we got to tear this down kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it would surprise me if if something like that happens.
0: Just from a personal perspective, as someone who covers this t- team day in and day out, Annie McVale obviously Known for not speaking to the media often, but kind of giving a little nugget that fans like to run with uh, when he does, such as if we don't, we don't. No one wants to uproot during a pandemic after this Dombrowski uh, press conference and fans certainly seeming optimistic after a team president speaks for perhaps the first time in a while. Was it a total contrast to maybe what you and some of the other reporters were used to?
1: um maybe a little but also I think you you need to take it with a grain of salt because it's an introductory press conference and it's really hard to look look bad at those kind of spots unless you're going to be telling fans something they really don't want to hear um so yeah I mean obviously he's you know even McPhail has handled media you know for for most of his career so um it'll be interesting to see how that evolves and I I think it helps that you know, Dombrowski's last stop was in a it was in a very intense media market, where you know I don't know if McPhail faced kind of some of that same stuff in Baltimore um, to the level Dombrowski may have in a place like Boston. So, um, yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how how that goes. And I think just in general, when things start to go poorly, um, you know, I think it's tough for any sort of executive to have to face the heat. So. It'll be interesting to see how how Dombrowski's press conferences change at all, um, or even if they're more frequent than than Andy usually spoke. Usually, he only would speak three times a year, so um, that'll be something to watch too.
0: Another question on a more personal level: before we get into some potential off-season moves, uh, you know, usually this would be the quote-unquote off-season. Of course, there's never really a day off. You don't know when news is going to break. We're also in a COVID off-season, so what you're even allowed to do? Maybe going seeing family and friends that you wouldn't have time to go see during the summer isn't uh, just an acceptable thing right now are you sitting do you sit there and root for the story do you root for some downtime like kind of on a personal level what what is you and maybe some of the other reporters view on a winter like cuz sometimes a baseball offseason can move really slow
1: right i think like initially you're like okay let's let's have a chill first month or so which obviously didn't really happen since you know they reassigned clintac and we're starting to search. Um, but otherwise, I think once you start getting into like late November, December, you're kind of wanting something to happen. And I, I think, too, especially, you know, covering the Phillies these last two years in particular, I mean, or even three, if you go back to when they signed Arietta, I mean, they've made major signings late into. The, the like the off season or even in in the Arietta and Harper case, like into spring training. So um, that's not always as fun um, when, you know, you're trying to prepare for like the season starting and, and looking ahead to all that. And then you're still waiting to see if they make any sort of major moves. Um, so it, I anticipate the real Muto situation won't be resolved anytime soon. Um, so I don't think anything will be worse. I don't think there will be anything worse than having to cover the <clears throat> Manny Machado, Bryce Harper stuff, because that was just like
0: a daily thing,
1: <clears throat> a daily thing where like it didn't matter what you were writing. Nobody cared really unless it had to do with those two guys. So
0: the million dollar question, of course, everyone wants to know, will JT Realmuto be in a Phillies uniform in 2021? I get an answer from Megan on that after the break. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, what's up, everyone? Dan Wilson here from the Locked On Phillies podcast, letting you know about the newest podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Locked On Bets, betting on baseball or football, or now basketballs about to get up and started. Doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by Bet Online. .ag, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll now move into what's more likely to happen in this specific offseason. As you mentioned, the big name everyone wants to know about is JT Realmuto. We don't know when this will get resolved, but a few things that have happened recently that at least in my opinion, from an outsider's perspective, definitely seems like it's more likely that he would end up with the Phillies. The Mets, who were labeled as a major suitor, signed James McCann, and Dombrowski, kind of known As a win-now executive gets hired, has the perspective on the likelihood that Real Muto could come back with the Phillies gone up in your mind?
1: Honestly, until he actually comes back, I'm not expecting him to come back. Just because I think if you if you really evaluate the things that, especially Dombrowski said, um, like yes, they're all aware that the drop off between Real Muto and whatever catcher they might sign or, you know, Andrew Knapp is significant. Um, I'm just skeptical that they're willing to commit that amount of money this year. Um, And sure, you know, you you could get creative and, you know, backload the contract if you're worried about immediate cash flow. I mean, it would, the the average annual value, you know, for tax purposes would still remain the same, even if you do that. So, um, yeah, I, I just... I'm skeptical that they're willing to commit that amount of money. And I think another layer to that is how uh, how much talent might be in next off season's free agent class. Uh, in their mind might make it easier to to not bring real muto back because that they have, there's that amazing shortstop class. You know, you potentially have guys like, you know, Bryce Harper. I think Cindergard is a free agent next off season, too, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, So there's a lot of talent in next year's off season too. Now, if it was, you know, reversed, where maybe you look ahead and you're like, okay, you know, this is our one shot to really add a star player in the next year or two, then maybe it's different. Um, And I mean, I I think the key thing is is like we still don't really know how significantly they're reducing their payroll budget and I know a lot of people point to you know contracts like Arietta's coming off the books and stuff like that, but. At the same time, you know there's at least three or four guys that are gonna be making three to four three to five more million dollars this year than they did last year. And you know, on top of that, the 2020 season, all those salaries were prorated. So, you know, Bryce Harper, even though he was supposed to make 26 million, only made 10. So if you're if you're having a full season and you're having you know a full season of salaries and you look from what they spent on that in 2019 to 2021, for example, Bryce Harper is going from making 10 million in 2019 to 26 million in 2021. So Yeah, I mean, on the surface level, it's certainly favorable that the Mets sign McCann. But I also think anytime things go longer, you have more teams potentially becoming interested, depending on how other pieces in the market fall. Um, You know, I don't think you can rule out teams like the Nationals becoming engaged. The Blue Jays seem interested in adding somebody impactful. Um, So the longer it goes... The more risk, you know, if you're a Phillies fan that another team will jump in and, you know, give Real Muto the deal he wants. So it'll be interesting. And, you know, just from what I've, you know, heard people say, I'm just I'm remaining skeptical that he comes back until or unless it actually happens.
0: Yeah. From my perspective, Real obviously a fan favorite. The, you know, the mm-hmm. sign JT movement kind of really picked up steam by, I mean, Bryce Harper did it himself and other players. I Definitely am skeptical just because of how old he is, how much money, and how many years they would give him on a contract like that. And also, so my follow-up question to that is, the longer this goes, you mentioned that more teams may get invested for someone who definitely wants him back. And again, I do think there's a price that is perhaps too much, and I would have been in favor of James McCann. The longer this goes, is that good for someone who wants him back on the Phillies or bad for someone who wants him on the Phillies in terms of price or likelihood that he even signs back with the Phillies at all?
1: I mean, I think it was bad that he even obviously reached free agency. I mean, I understand the pandemic changed things, but they had a, had quite a a while to um, you know, even before things got shut down in in March to find common ground. Um, That's a tough question. I mean, and, and also we don't know exactly, you know, what is he going to value? Is he going to value, like average salary per year, more than total years, which would bump up the total salary a little bit more, but maybe less per year, um, because that changes things too. Maybe a team is willing to give them five years, um, even if it's 2 million less per year for that added year of security. So honestly, I, I would say probably longer go, I mean, at this point, I think everybody knows it's gonna go into January, February, probably, um, until he signs. So I don't know if, if the, the length of how long it takes for him to sign necessarily impacts the Phillies. Cause I think that was headed that way. As soon as the off season commenced, um, especially with, you know, people waiting to see kind of the vaccine stuff. Um, I think the bigger thing is that Phillies fans want, should be more worried about is can somebody offer him more years than the Phillies might be comfortable? Um, you know, especially, as a catcher, you know, as you mentioned, like durability, that kind of stuff, you never know, like, how long a guy can really stay behind the plate. And even if the NL eventually gets the DH, you know, that minimizes his value a little bit. So, you know, I think if Phillies fans, it's, it's a good day if you don't hear news that he signed somewhere. Um, but I think the market for him is, is still really hasn't fully developed.
0: That'll do it for part one of my conversation with Megan Montemaro. Stay tuned for part two. We get more into the expectations for the Phillies offseason from the pitching standpoint, how things are going differently, or how they those things may go differently, rather, with Dave Dombrowski at the helm, and a whole lot more. So hope you enjoy part one. Again, stay tuned for part two.